Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a podcast that used to be about books. I haven't said that one in a while. This is season four, where we just a couple people with perfect opinions about movies and TV and pop culture. I am your host. I'm Alex. I'm hanging out with you guys today from North Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I have a very special panel with me today. Uh, first up, he's at Anthony Lopez Part Two on Twitter in Southeast Portland. He has this thing for knives. It's Anthony Lopez. Hey, Alex. It's great to be here. Uh, I was just realized before over the last year we've kind of become a David Lynch podcast. We've kind of looped around. Yeah, if this yeah. was the last episode ever because something terrible happened, they'd be like, "Well, that makes sense." Well, I mean, we've done straight story too. Which oh, I, yeah, we did do straight story. That's true. Maybe we're becoming about. we're becoming a David Lynch completist podcast. Yeah, we've we've gotten a yeah I, one more than I thought we did. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. We should the, maybe with like Dune coming out this year, we should watch his Dune beforehand. Oh wait, so he did the old Dune? Yes, but the one like, that's bad. Well, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've heard, you know, there are people uh, who defend that movie, but also I think like he's famous for, it got taken not, away from me and it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. We did in fact already watch the old Dune. Mm. This is a problem about doing a show for oh, too long. Shit. So that means you've done even more David Lynch stuff than you thought yeah, you'd I don't, done. It's not tagged David Lynch because yeah. I was back before I was tagging directors, but yeah. Oh, and it's got there, Coop. Yeah. It's Agent Cooper. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's really, we've been you've been a David Lynch podcast all along. We just didn't know it yet. Yeah, this is that was back in episode three hundred one. This has been a while. Um, wow, which was which was of course uh, three hundred and one, not season three. Um, oh, he did tag David Lynch. Look at that. Good for me. Um, that was a uh, that was a choice. Somebody chose that for us. Mm. Um, a sponsorship. Um, I mean, you can say that about the movie from what I've seen of it. That was a choice. <laughs> <laughs> also, it was back when we would, we used to do wet month in August. That was our fun riff where it was about water, but it was not very wet. It was really pretty yeah. dry for most of the movie. Um, let me introduce our other guests just to make sure, um, just in case she doesn't know that she can talk before I've said her name. Joining us, uh, joining Anthony, in fact, <laughs> in his Southeast Portland studio, making her Read It and Weep debut. And great news, uh, Heather, the gum you like is coming back in style. It's Heather DeWitt. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Um, I do you sure have about a... talking before. Yeah, yeah. I should, I should tell like people. That. Some people don't like that. Because um, <laughs> you're like, who's this person? But it's fine. Do, you have a, do we have an old gum? Is there an old gum that we like? I think that every old gum I liked, I only liked because I was a kid. Like oh, yeah. You know, stripe gum. Yeah. Yes. I don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. actually good. What well, is stuff like, that's like so sugary and it loses all flavor in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. What was the gum that looked like a, um, it was like in a big roll and it was like six feet of gum? Is what oh, yeah, got. yeah. Bubble tape. For, six yeah. feet for you, not the, the yeah. official, the official <laughs> yeah. bubble gum of Ayn Rand. Yeah. And their whole like marketing campaign was just like adults are fucking losers. Oh, I love when these ads did that. Also, yeah, yeah. Do not share. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Applejacks went that same route, which is like, your parents are idiots. <laughs> um, my favorite, oh, I just, my favorite gum that I only liked as a kid was Big League Chew. Yeah. They used okay. to sell that at the baseball park, obviously, yeah. and we and, loved it, man. Dude, I don't know if players really chew, so I don't know if like kids even would get the reference when, anymore. So they, so it's, it, it basically, it's not, you're not allowed to chew on the field in baseball anymore, but you still could when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. now what they do is they pack their mouth with sunflower seeds to look mm-hmm. like they're chewing. No. So it was still, we still knew it was cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I <laughs> well, hope I that thinking, com- like, gum comes back like, in style. 
um, like Chew kind of looped around into like snus, those little packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are basically just gum. So it was like they made a gum. Well, but it's gum that gives you cancer. That's the yeah, cool but, thing. But, but they were like, hey, this chew stuff would be a good way to make gum. And then someone at the chew factory was like, hey, that <laughs> gum a- way would be a good way to make chew. Oh, yeah. You got gum in my chew. You got chew in my gum. <laughs> um, so, uh, Heather, we really uh, it was, we were just talking today in the car when you were giving me a ride home. And I was like, hey, mm-hmm. you should come on the show sometime. And then right then, uh, very shortly after that, uh, Hunter had to step out for this episode, and it just so happens you really like the topic that we're going to talk about today. Yes. Um, so perfect. Thanks for saving fan. the day. Um, and I, I want to make a correction real fast yeah. from something you said at the top of the show. We're technically oh, yeah. in uh, Heather's studio, not <laughs> mine. Oh, that's uh, how the that's how the bills shake out. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, Okay, well, before we get into this topic, we have a couple things I want to cover. First, I just want to say a quick shout out, a thank you to all of our fabulous meat buddies who inexplicably, despite all the evidence that it's not a good use for their money, have continued to support the show uh, through our Patreon campaign at metreon.com. And we appreciate everybody who forgets to stop auto bill and keeps us limping down the tracks. Uh, All right, before we do our homework, segment one today we're going to wrap up one final episode about theater memories. So we'll go back to doing important news next week. But first, a couple more theater memories. Um, Jessica wrote in to say, I know I'm late to this particular party, but I saw Mad Max Fury Road for the first time in Spanish, which I do not speak, with no subtitles. And you could not ask for a better movie to see in a language you do not understand. It yes. might actually be a be better in a foreign language. You can ignore the dialogue and keep it from distracting you from the stunning visuals. I think that Which makes sense. It, I, I think you could watch. Yeah, you could watch that silently and have and lose very little. You get it. It, it. it helps when like Max, I think, literally only has ten lines in that entire movie. That's like, true. And not I think you can. Eight of them are indistinguishable. In, you can't tell what they're saying. He's saying. Yeah, and when you see like a room filled with women pumping breast milk, you don't need somebody saying like what that is for you to get it. You just yeah, get it. You yeah, know, you're just like. That's a new That's a, Etsy store. Yeah. I feel like the only part that would possibly be a little bit of a loss is I really enjoy Charlize Theron being like the biggest bitch in that movie. But you could tell she had the same yeah. sass. Like you could tell her sass and you'd be like, man, she's driving a truck. She doesn't really like this newcomer. Mm-hmm. Now she's got to drive the truck the other way. Yeah. I mean, Mad Max for how Fury Road in particular, for how like instant classic of it, it, it like that movie like has already reached yeah. in our culture. Yeah. It is maybe the least quotable famous movie ever. <laughs> like this just, oh, yeah. I think uh, that's bait. That's it's bait. one of the most gift things I've ever seen. On the yeah. But that's okay, like a yeah. line. Yeah. 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 Movie, like, trying, how many is, other movies um, do people love that? There's, there's like not a lot of quotes that people say from it. You know? Yeah. Wally is the only one I can think of. Yeah, that's true. This is a good, um, very good point. <laughs> what's the? Yeah, I can't. I'm trying to think about literally any other line from the movie. I was like, in in Valhalla, and then you spray paint your teeth or whatever. Yeah, I mean something like chrome something. Yeah, witness me is witness me. The, yeah, yeah, the, witness like, me is good. Good line. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. Okay. I should have already known how to say that in Spanish, but I do not. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> I. I liked it. So I'm trying a little bit to learn uh, Spanish. And one of the ways I've been doing that is there's I, I listen to the local soccer game here in Spanish on the radio sometimes, and I don't know most of the words because it turns out like soccer Spanish is a whole other set. But 
it took me a long time to figure out. They kept saying Saka de Mano, and I was like, why does he have a bag of hands? <laughs> it's a throw-in. Should have figured that out. It's not a sack of hands. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Idioms are really tough in other languages because they just don't make any sense when you translate them literally. Totally. Uh, so I, I would have, find... if I was smarter, I would have said "testigo de mí." That's that's <laughs> witness me. You gotta find a uh, like a friend who likes to listen to so- uh, somebody who speaks Spanish who likes to listen to the games in Spanish, and then like listen with that, you know. Bring yourself a translator. Just ask a bunch of annoying questions? Yeah, I could do yeah, that. Yeah, just, just to give you the cultural references. Someone to translate well, the idioms for you. I, I also played pickup soccer this afternoon against a bunch of, of kids who are mostly speaking Spanish, so I heard a lot of new swear words, I assume, <laughs> from the tone. Um, Heather, do you have a favorite uh, movie-going, a theater-going experience that you can share for this ongoing segment that is probably done after today? Yeah, so my go-to is when uh, Tony and I saw Magic Mike in the theater, but I'm pretty yes. sure he's talked about yeah, that Yeah, we talked before. about that, where it was basically just, it was him and a bunch of women in a strip club, and they were all having a ton of fun. Yeah, and we, the way we saw that movie is we went over to the movie theater and just were like, what's playing? And oh, it happened to crazy. be the preview night, like the Thursday night before the release. So it was only hardcore Magic Mike fans that showed up. Ooh. Uh, and you and us yeah, yeah. i don't think I, I don't think i've ever gone to a movie and been like dealer's choice like whatever's playing yeah. we're gonna see we were just kind of in a mood to go to a movie and yeah. like, let's see what starts soon and then it was the best thing that's ever happened <laughs> um my favorite part of the story is when the first time matt bomer starts lifting up his shirt the lady, maybe two rows behind us, stood up, threw her hand in the air, and went, oh, Jesus. And it was <laughs> the best. <laughs> that it is like a horny room you were in. Fun yeah. ever. Um, uh, yeah, that's fun. I've never been was, in so horny of a movie. It was the best. Yeah. Uh, my second one, because you had mentioned that we were going to do this, is yes. I saw Twilight. With, the uh, first one. The first one with a very mm. good friend of mine. And it was pretty early on in the run. And the whole room was like moms and their teenage daughters. And oh, yeah, of course. Us two college-aged people who were a little bit drunk and found the movie deeply hilarious. There is a part of that audi- that fandom that is uh, a little bit creepy. Because Jacob is pretty young for how horny the people mm-hmm. in that, the moms specifically in that theater were. It's He's a perfect age for the kids to be horny. But the moms being horny towards him was a little bit gross. Well, and the teenagers were like fine with us laughing at this movie, but the moms were very upset at us for laughing <laughs> at this movie. Yeah, it's not, it's no joke. That is a very serious movie. Um, was this like a, this was opening weekend? Uh, pretty close within the okay. first. It was short because we, we saw one of them at a midnight show for this po- very podcast way, way back. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a Lloyd Center midnight show of, Maybe the second one? Maybe the third one? I don't even remember. <laughs> I've gone um, to so many midnight showings at Lloyd Center. Yeah, it was a strange adi- it was a strange atmosphere. And we were kind of like we were like too cool at the time. But like honestly, probably that was actually a fun time if I had just been open to it. Although my main memory of it is being a little sleepy. Yeah, I mean my say what you will about those movies, but okay. as someone who um, looked at a movie theater for a very long time, uh I will say the Oh, God, I just had a cat jump on my back. Hold on one second. I thought I heard a cat sneaking up on you, so. Oh, 
What are you doing? <laughs> so this is one of the things by having both of you here, neither yeah. of you is on cat patrol, and so yeah. then we just oh. got oh, um He just like leapt up onto the back of his neck. Yeah. But wow. as someone who worked at a theater for years, one of yeah. the greatest memories I have is walking into screenings of I believe it's the final Twilight movie that has mm-hmm. the big swerve in it. When like half the cast dies and then they're like, oh no, just kidding. Yeah, it's just a dream. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, it was, I would walk in just for that scene and every time people <laughs> would lose, like the first week when people didn't know what was coming, it was. It oh, was that strange. is good. That's yeah. worth watching. It was so traumatizing for just a theater full of people just That's screaming. That's amazing. You know? Especially because they. That's the one big, big thing that's not in the books, right? So like, they knew yeah, everything yeah. else was coming, and then this just threw them for a loop. And the vampire dad just got his head cut clean off. Yeah. Hell this opens is, up oh, and swallows yeah, yeah. It like was half a, the cast. It was a hilariously bloody scene. This Is yeah. is this Breaking Dawn Part 2? Yeah. I yeah. think that's the second part of the, of the last one. Yeah. Oh man, that I I should go back and watch that one more. It's almost like the Meet Joe Black crash scene in how shockingly <laughs> violent it is out of mm-hmm. nowhere. That um, Meet Joe Black scene is never not. Yeah, funny. it's great. Yeah. That's one of the things that I saw as a gif for years before I watched the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so good movie going experiences. We'll still take them if you guys at home want to send us some more. We'll definitely throw them in somewhere. Although I don't know if we'll have full segments for it anymore. But now it's time to get into our segment two. The homework, our main focus today, as we mentioned last week, today we are watching Twin Peaks season one and season two, episodes one through nine. Mm -hmm. We are watching David Lynch's first turn as at Twin Peaks, not the other parts and then not the part where he came back. Mm -hmm. And if it's see, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was not he was gone for nine also. Yes. Nine wrapped up the murder. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, and you when... can tell because it felt like you'd watched one show for one season plus eight episodes, and then the next episode was directed by children instead. <laughs> and like it was children who told you literally everything's meaning. Yeah, which one is not it was the it was a, of the show before. That. It was yeah. an entire episode of exposition dump shot exclusively up at people or down at people from the ceiling. It was very strange. And uh, Megan and I are not people who can usually tell that a different director is involved. But this whole time we're like, what is happening in this episode? It's and crazy it balls. Does that for another 11 episodes and then Lynch comes back and kind of course corrects. Can you skip? Uh, could I just go watch season three? Um, I would suggest watching the, like, there are guys out there if you want to get, like, a real technical about it, uh, about, like, what episodes you can skip in the second season. Um, you probably might be safe looking, like, just watching the last few of season two when Lynch comes, comes well, let me back. Let me raise the stakes a little bit on this question. I am not, if I have to finish season two to watch the rest, I will not watch any more of this. Oh, yeah. no. I, like, if you come back for the last two episodes... And like maybe read a little bit of a wiki page for the middle yeah. bits, you'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> great, yeah. great. Because I there's no way I could watch more of that episode nine. For those of you who have not uh, seen it and don't mind the spoilers, though, let me give you a quick, a quick five sentence summary of the first seventeen episodes of Twin Peaks. Here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Twin Peaks, a small town in probably Washington that is inhabited yes. by an ancient but usually pretty mild evil that causes some men to kill and other 
others to steal wedding rings and other general weirdness. Um, when the body of Laura Palmer is discovered, the local sheriff brings in fresh-faced FBI man, uh, Agent Cooper, and future Dune star, also future mayor of Portland, that's fun, um, to investigate. He does, and all although he's not there to make friends, he does kind of. Um, he uses the powers of logic, deduction, science, and dream interpretations, and after just 17 hours, it turns out it was the most obvious suspect that you would have in any murder like this. Um, uh, it turns out, bad dad. You got a bad dad. Although in the mm-hmm. dad's defense, he was inhabited by a demon or something that turned him into a pedophile serial killer with gray hair who likes to dance. Named Robert. And that's probably enough. I think you're caught up. That's the the, the most of it. But it's not like Bob short for Beelzebub or something Mm -hmm. crazy. It's Bob short for Robert. He's just a guy named Rob. Robbie. And there's also um, a lady with a log. There is a lady with a log. That kind of helps set the mood. That tells you a lot about it. I although she is mostly abandoned um, in the last few episodes that I watched, and it was sad because mm. I would have liked to see some resolution of her story. Does she yes. ever fuck the log? I want to know. It's like the it's a will they or won't they for the generations, for the ages. I, I love the log lady. I'm a big fan of log lady too. Uh, Megan and I were just listening before we did this things that I like about the show and things I did not like. Mm. Log lady high up there on the like list. Mm-hmm. I could do a couple more quick uh, up on the yeah. like list. Agent Cooper makes the show work if it weren't if he wasn't the most delightful man ever i don't think i would like it at all he's so mm-hmm. flipping wonderful and he's this got a great attitude post dune as well don't oh he said free dune yeah yeah, yeah sorry they, uh, they had past, done dune uh blue velvet to like wash the taste out of their mouth <laughs> and they came back for twin peaks together so they had oh that's fun together like for you know a long but time he was at this future point. mayor of portland in television show portlandia Yes, um, is what I was referring to. In case you guys didn't know that at home, um, so okay, so things I like. Uh, obviously, Agent Cooper is incredible. Uh, I like the donuts. I like the other cops. I really like the co- the dumb cop who cries Andy. a lot. Um, I like dumb best. cops weird and and receptionist weird relationship. I like everybody in this town is obsessed with coffee, but not quality of coffee. Like they say, mm, this is good to coffee that I guarantee you is not good. Just sure. like abysmal, awful, like hotel coffee. Boy, he loves hotel coffee. Speaking of hotel, the people in the background at the hotel, one of the greatest things. Just yes. the different conventions always going on at the hotel. Love them all. The, um, uh, the pile of sailors, like all bouncing balls during that yes, one. Yes, my favorite one. Balls. Never described. <laughs> I love that. Also, there was like a there was like a barbershop quartet one. Mm-hmm. And that really hit home because I have been stuck in a barbershop quartet convention before. <laughs> this happened to me in Portland yeah. where I was on the max and we stopped at the convention center and 40 different barbershop quartets just got on and you could tell cause they were all in matching costumes and they mm-hmm. just flooded the train of guys talking like this and like this in the same group. It was just incredible. It was so fun. <laughs> um, it was like, what, like not a flash mob, but they like did take over. Um, yeah, I loved that. Um, Oh, the guy from uh, uh, the guy from Warriors as the crazy brother. Oh, that is the guy from Warriors. I He's the guy from Warriors. Warriors. Much, much, much older. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was fun. Um, things I didn't like. Anytime motorcycle guy was on the screen. <laughs> that James. lady, the, James, the lady who is all of a sudden a child, in a, but not a fun kind, like an annoying child. Yeah, Nadine. Anytime Nadine was on screen was a bummer. Ed's Even pretty before good, the, though. 
Ed, Ed's pretty solid. I do like Ed. Yeah, Ed's pretty solid. Yeah. And I did like Ed's girlfriend. Diner owner did not care for her murder husband. No, I didn't enjoy yeah. guy sucking on dominoes as a character trait. The domino sucking could not get behind that. Yeah. Like there's just some things where I was like, well, that's unpleasant for no reason. You just want me to feel <laughs> grossed out right now. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, that there is, you know, a big theme through Lynch's work, right, is the juxtaposition of, like, suburban nicety and, like, the dark evilness underneath, right? Okay, but he was a guy in jail who licks dominoes, which was the, what's the juxtaposition yeah. there? It's just, like, you got a six and a four, and it's in your mouth for some reason. I'm not saying the choices are great, uh, but... Um, Okay, things I like. Uh, the music and visuals of the opening. Things I did mm-hmm. not like. The color and font of the credits on the opening. Why is it that oh, color? Because it's iconic as hell. I Iconically terrible and mismatched and weird. I think that's on purpose. It feels a little like incongruous and strange. It's a good prep for what you're about to get. Um, I guess it is. I really did like watching those saws get sharpened. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Things I wasn't totally clear on. I wasn't. I wasn't all on board with the uh, the quadruple cross of the the log owners of the uh, logging business and that whole oh, thing. But you were a big fan of Catherine faking her death and coming back as a Japanese businessman uh, uh, yeah, who talks cool. like um, Princess Leia when she's hiding like under disguise in Jabba's palace. Yeah, nothing uh, better than that good the brown face character choice. Uh, yeah, um, that was the amount pretty... that I suck air in through my teeth every time she appeared. One on of those things. <laughs> I mean, that is a great place to start if you want to get into like the broader context of like. I don't think that's defensible, but you know, like that the keep the framing device in mind that Twin Peaks was meant as like a soap opera, right? Yes, so, so and this, it was yes. playing but, off tropes that a very hack now and you don't really see, but were incredibly commonplace um, in the show. Yes. Yeah, so that this, you, you know me so well, you know exactly what the show needs, Anthony. Mm-hmm. This is time. So I'm just listing shit. Let's do some better context. So mm-hmm. what the hell is going on with this show? Why is this show like this? So I have many thoughts. Please. Um, I do think that it is like a specific satire of 80s primetime soap operas like Dynasty and the one that was like Who Shot JR, which I do not remember the name of that show. Um, um, is that, uh, it's Dallas. a city. Yeah, Dallas. <laughs> I knew yeah. it was a city. I couldn't get the city. <laughs> which, uh, like, yeah. the first time I watched this show, all that soapy stuff really like was off putting to me because yeah. I never watched any of those yeah. things. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't watch have those. In fact, for them. And I had no, I was so confused the first few episodes of the show. And then Anthony mentioned to me in person that it was a sort of not not a parody exactly but like playing on these tropes that existed and that changes soap opera tropes with the cop procedural like what if you take these two genres that are like really big on tv and funnel them through this like lynchian view but the show really does like i don't think i even noticed it the first time watching it like the catching all the kind of things that are fairly obvious in retrospect like there's a, a soap within yeah, they watch the soap opera in the soap through, opera right? that's like telling you that things are happening yeah and there's like there's a scene early on right before they introduce maddie who's played by the same actress as laura where in the soap that they're watching they have the same actress playing two characters in the credits yeah and so then it immediately cuts to maddie walking in the frame you know oh that's clever i didn't catch that either i did you know i love the trope identical first cousins 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That classic thing that happens all the time. Um, <laughs> I also liked that the same actress had to play two bodies. Mm-hmm. She, she, mean, had, she got to be dead twice in the same she show. She has the greatest scream in like movie and TV history. So, so good. Getting her back to just scream some more, I, I love. I don't remember her scream being that iconic. Tell, describe when, it without doing it. I, I when can't Leland do it justice. kills Maddie, she screams for like the whole scene. <sighs> and it like is huh. super cutting and very upsetting. And there's a I lot didn't... of good screaming she does later in her career firewalk with me. I didn't care for that uh, murder scene and this is something that's weird is that I do, I, I read and watch a lot of procedurals, a lot of things about murders <laughs> and I don't mm. want to see the murder. I want to see the people solving puzzles. I like the puzzle solving. Mm-hmm. When I, I was like, I'm watching this murder for several minutes. I'm like, oh, I hate this. I kind of love it for the reason that you don't like it. Sure. Like you just, you just always want to see it. You don't care about puzzles. (laughs) You just want to see the Show me the murders. I mean, so frequently the, the murdered girl is this plot point that doesn't matter. And in this show, that's deeply untrue. Like Laura and Maddie are fully fleshed out like human beings and the show cares about them. Yes. And murder is horrific. And I appreciate this show emphasizing that like, what? it's not just a thing to make you move forward in when just get to the puzzles mm-hmm. yeah that hmm. was like a founding principle in this show was like you know in like most cop procedurals like usually a young girl's killed at the beginning and then by the end uh they solve the crime and everyone goes i'm happy and like no one even thinks about this girl that got murdered for the story to happen so what if we never found out who killed her right and you just had to like live in this and get to like know these people better, right? Right. It's Which sound, that, when you say it that way, it sounds like I would hate it, but I was actually totally fine with them never solving this murder. And I was annoyed when oh, yeah. the in the I mean, obviously it's annoying, but in episode nine, where Leland slash Bob Demon just lays on his back, getting rained on inside, and explains everything that's happened so mm-hmm. far mm-hmm. for yeah. several minutes. Well, it's that- really dumb. And, like, once you take that, like, I can't describe enough how crazy, like, it's already pretty wild at this point in season two. But think about, they solved the murder. Why the fuck is Dale Cooper still in Twin Peaks, Washington, right? It makes no sense. He did say when he drove up he wanted to stay because he liked the trees and the pie. So the show becomes about him trying to buy property for a few episodes. And he wears a lot of plaids instead of his suit. It's not good. Uh, Weird. And like uh, Horn, the guy who owns the lodge, yeah. he gets hit in the head too, or like has a nervous breakdown and starts reenacting civil war, war battles with oh. scale models oh in God. his house for like three ep- three or four episodes. Hate that too. I'm not even going to tell you what happened with James because it's oh no, it's you have to worst. tell me. Please tell me. Okay, so James, like he's at the end of season nine, he says, episode "I need to get nine. out of here." Oh, episode nine. Yeah, because I need to get out of here. Yeah, so right he after just saying his... like, I think we should be together forever, no matter what happens. Yeah. And then something totally like something minor happens, and he's like, "I'm out." You so... mean the murder of Maddie? <laughs> yeah, but not to he, well, sir. But like, uh, his girlfriend needs comforting, and he's like, "Nope, gonna leave." Well, the next not that Maddie's 12... murder is minor, but he just met her three days ago. Yes, and the next twelve episodes is him. Uh, he gets on his bike. He leaves Twin Peaks. And he stumbles into like a romance novel murder mystery of this rich woman who lives outside of the city who hires him as a mechanic. 
and like the rich woman is plotting to kill her husband and it has nothing to do with anything else and huh. it is very bad it um, sounds pretty bad yeah also in the later chunk of season two nadine the one-eyed teenager who's not yeah. a teenager gets so much screen time and she starts <laughs> sleeping with bobby's friend um Oh, but so like this is what happens with like the first season i i know you liked more and i definitely think the first season's much i did stronger. i feel like i was i was pleased with the first season and i was kind of ready to put it on the shelf but megan who didn't i thought like the, i thought she wasn't liking it she kept referring to it as the slow show and then she was like well no we should keep watching it though let's watch yeah, more I, of it and then we kept watching season two and then you told me i had to keep going i like i thought the first season was much much stronger yeah i think the first season really does feel like a bunch of like experimental artists very excited yeah, about a yeah, project yeah. that people don't really believe in and then season two is like hey that's the weird show that made us a lot of money so do more yeah, of that it, weird stuff it felt like yeah it felt like they did something that d- didn't seem like it would work and then unexpectedly was popular and then they were mm-hmm. like well they got got more money and didn't know what the part was that made it great yeah Um, i mean and it is you can totally see i i hope at least about the way like all the way so much of modern tv sprung from the success and the failures of twin peaks especially like a lot of the lessons learned like not only is there a lot of twin peak shows right how many shows do you see about like a murder mystery in a small town full of weird, quaint people, right? Yeah. It happens constantly. But yeah. so many other genres and like different TV shows that stole from Twin Peaks, you know? Um I was I mean, this wasn't the first time there was a murder in a small town, but you just mean like the cast of weirdos. Mm-hmm. That like small town quirkiness really kicked up in popularity well, after this show. So the weird thing about so one of the interesting things about this is it's not just a cast of weirdos. There's also a long-abiding magic slash alien thing. So it it definitely... That was one thing about the first season where it was like, is there a little bit of magic here? And then the second season was like, yes, yes, there's magic. This is here from magic. This is magic doing this. These are demons. There's all these demons. It's magic stuff. So I it turned harder into magic, which I thought was a little boring. I mean, um, if you think... That the amount of magic in season two was a lot. Just wait till you get to the return. Well, and even then, it's not even quite as it's magic as much as it feels in this show, at least more like dream imagery. Like well, yeah. So this is the thing. Magic, I've, right? I've watched enough Lynch to know that he likes dream imagery. Hmm. Um, oh, which reminds me, thing I really like is um, Agent Cooper trying to solve things by throwing stuff that was really fun oh yeah i love that the tibetan method yes that's great i enjoyed that very much i mean Uh, this show is so quotable Rewatching it there's like usually one or two things that have like become does enter the lexicon or like that i say or think once a week just especially throughout the first season it's like almost every episode has some great line in it you know I do say Give me some damn fine cup of coffee to myself yeah. all the yeah, time. Yeah, damn fine cup of coffee. That's a great one. <laughs> and it's I not. Mean, I guarantee you it's not. <laughs> the, Maybe the double R does have a damn fine yeah. cup of coffee. I would believe that normal makes a and good cup They don't. Of uh, you can, you, it's just, it's been burning on that no. metal bottom <laughs> thing all after, all day. There's, <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm not being snobby about it. All You're just Twin Peaks. It's the, maybe the coffee is genuinely better because of that. Oh, that's true. Look, Alex, um, the elves are not what they seem. 
All maybe, right. the, yeah, maybe the owls are those like those cats that eat coffee and then poop it out um, roasted. You know what I'm talking about? Civets? Yeah, I mean, maybe the owls mi- are doing the coffee roasting. Yeah. A million great lines in Twin Peaks. My favorite speech of all time. Uh, one I, I think about and quote constantly is, um, now you listen to me. While I may admit to being, ha, may, while I may admit to a certain cynicism, the fact is that I'm a naysayer and hatchet man in the fight against violence. I tried myself in taking a punch, and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truthman. That is an excellent speech, and I forgot one of the things I like is the other FBI guy who is a dick, but you, you, you kind of like it. I kind of like I mean, it. El Ferrer, he's so good in that. He he walks a strange and difficult path. <laughs> he right? He, I like it. He's the best. Um, I um, very much enjoy that. Um, yeah. It's interesting how some things, be, like there's some things where it's like, with a, a series that has magic in it, where are like some things I'm like, yeah, cool, no problem. I get it. He's a demon. Got a he, demon came in his butthole when he was a kid and just lives there now or whatever. Great, love it. Um, but then it's like Laura kept two diaries. Ugh, that's implausible. It's <laughs> too many diaries. One diary is exhausting. Who has time for a secret diary? <laughs> what a what a terrible cheap trope to do. Yeah, uh, but I mean, again, that kind of feels like the soap opera stuff, right? That the yeah, it's very soap opera. I mean, well, although, so have you guys watched any soap operas? Because I've only seen soap operas in parodies of soap operas. Uh, my mom was a big soap, and like the, uh, the types of soaps that were around when I was a kid, like all my children in General Hospital. Uh, my mother used to watch those, and I would. Watch and by the ones around day. when you were a kid, you mean the ones that are probably still on every oh, day because so they're in like the thirty thousandth episode. <laughs> yeah. One of them's like only streaming now or something. Do you? Um, oh, uh, all my children was from nineteen set ran from nineteen seventy to two thousand eleven. So it's not on anymore after a brief run of forty one years. Jeez, <laughs> soaps are so uh, weird. Yeah. What a weird like cultural blind spot I have for yeah, so me much too. So Anthony, stuff. so so <laughs> when you because you've watched it, did you wait? There were ten. 1,700 episodes of All My Children. Jesus, they're almost going to catch up with our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you... I Like, the fact that the tropes are so crazy is like, well, they literally ran out of normal things to write. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine... Five being a- hours of TV, 42 minutes an episode, five days a week, right? And you're filming them those days, right? You're just I, can you imagine getting hired out. as a writer in like around the 9,000s? And like mm-hmm. every, you're like, okay, so what if a cement truck hits the the house and all three of them become cement statues of themselves? And they're like, we did that twice. Like, we yeah. can't do that again. We've gone to the cement truck statue well too many times on this show. Like, what could you possibly pitch for episode 2,708 that they're like, yeah, of course, that's a great idea. We've never thought of that. Well, I mean, that's why you have to pitch, like, what about a room with red curtains and a ziggly floor and a little man who speaks backwards and dances? <laughs> you know, that's what you pitch. That's the good shit right there. Uh, but what if the thing she whispered was the answer to the show? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. That Maybe the dream thing makes more sense when you're just, like, out of concepts. But they probably never had a log lady, so. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. Um, wow, I just I had no idea it was ten thousand episodes. And Twin I can't, Peaks I can't only got ra- 
only got like 17. It's a crime. I can't wait. Uh, 14,000. Uh, General Hospital. Now. General Hospital has 14,000. Jeez. Is that still running? Yes. It seems to still be running. Well, are you uh, excited about catching up on Twin Peaks with the fact that he might be filming a new season of Twin Peaks right now? So is so okay. So tell the story. So for people who aren't familiar with this, I only you've you've hinted at it, but tell me the story. What the heck happened with this show? So he got it. it did kind of work. Yeah. So the first season was a huge hit, and then the second season tanked. Essentially, it just like the mm. network moved it around, messed with it. It was pretty popular until the murder, and then the network really wanted Lynch and Murkross to reveal who the killer was, and Lynch said it would kill the show if we did. Uh, and so they made him do it. It killed the show. Like the ratings literally just dropped for the next week because no one cared anymore. Interesting. Um, so it puttered along till the end of the second season when Lynch came back to like kind of fix it and think maybe they can get something out of it. And he delivered one of the greatest episodes of TV ever. That finale of season two of uh, Twin Peaks ends on this massive cliffhanger. It's filled with just stunning imagery. Um, and it really leaves you wanting to know what's going to happen next. Uh, it's a real tonal shift. Crazy. Uh, so, then, so he he left and came back in season two. Yes, mm-hmm. and the show got canceled after that. So it ends on this infamous cliffhanger, and uh, crazy. Nothing comes of it. Uh, so a few oh. years later, there's and then there's like a few ancillary things in Twin Peaks, right? A few years later, Twin uh, David Lynch gets a chance to he's like going to do a Twin Peaks movie. And everyone's very excited about like picking up where the show left off, but yeah. due to budget like reasons with not being able to work with Kyle McLaughlin at the time, like Cooper's literally only in Firewalk with me for one scene that's like five minutes long. It's a really great scene though. Him and David Bowie are in it. It's great. Uh, so the it, the movie's a prequel that takes place before the series, oh, so it didn't weird. really answer people stuff. Questions or any of the bigger mythology stuff. It does fill in a, a few things, and it is very good. It definitely was poorly received when it came out, yeah, uh, because people were kind of expecting it to, you know, be more like the show. But it's it has none of this soap opera shit. It's a straight up kind of just horror David Lynch movie. It's very close oh. to season three in that kind of feeling because season three is also not at all like. Twin Peaks season one and two. It's a very different uh, Interesting. feeling and tone. And it's, I, I love that because it is like Twin Peaks, the original show, is uh, modern TV of this era, the ninth, early 1990s, filtered through Lynch. So Twin Peaks, the return is the modern TV eras, like, uh, like uh... shows and genres. Like filtered through Lynch, so it really feels a lot like it's playing off like Breaking Bad and The Wire, uh, and kind of playing with those conventions of what you see in like kind of prestige shows nowadays. Um, okay, this is super interesting. So, okay, so when you were saying that I have to watch a couple episodes on season two at the end to catch up, I could do that because Lynch is back. So, I could I could watch just the Lynch parts of this show mm-hmm. and be okay. Yeah. I mean, you would be like, holy shit, had the Grams here all of a sudden. Uh, I would read a wiki page. Yeah, and like Billy Zane, I think, is going to show up for a little bit because. um, So, you know, a lot of things happen to affect the quality of season two 
uh, one of my favorite facts is uh, Kyle McLaughlin and Laura Flynn Boyle started dating um, at the beginning of season two. And uh-huh. there was obviously plans to do something with like Cooper and Audrey. And Laura Flynn Boyle put a, put a big pin in that. Said, I do not want Kyle McLaughlin making out with Audrey's actress. Yeah, because uh, so she was a to... child. Yeah. Well, not really. Their actual age difference was like three years. Oh, was it really? Yeah, they're very close in age. Oh, that's yeah. funny. She, yeah, it, in the show, I was very upset if they were going to do that. Uh, that seemed like a that seemed like a no go for me. That would be an it, issue. But it is like the, just the type of thing of just now personal relationships are changing, writing pretty constantly. Uh, so because of that, they had to introduce Billy Zane. She's very weird to pop up. You're going to miss David uh, Duchovny's small uh, role in the show, which is pretty important in season three. I love David Duchovny's part. That's the only reason. So we're doing a full rewatch right now, and we stopped at episode nine today of season two. Um, The only reason I want to watch some of the middle bits is because I want to see David Duchovny uh, in season two, and then I think we're going to skip ahead a bit. Yeah, uh, I... But David Duchovny's character I talked about last week is a, a trans uh, oh, yeah, uh, I, FBI agent, but done like, in a, like most Lynch things in a very respectful way when he's kind of showing like disenfranchised people and like the character arc of he, he's an FBI agent who went undercover uh, and had to disguise himself as a female and then discovered I'm way more comfortable in this and became mm. a and transitioned and uses like the right pronouns and all the characters. Are, Interesting. Like everyone in this small town is just like, yep, that's a thing. It's great. Happy for you. You know, that's one of the things about this show that I really love is like, there are characters that are inherently ridiculous and strange, like log lady and Andy, who's just a lovable dum dum. Mm-hmm. But everyone around them treats them with respect and the show treats them with respect and love. And that makes having characters who are inherently ridiculous, not mean spirited. Yeah. It's a really interesting. Yeah. I I think that's, that is the, the, one of the things that makes the show work is that it's a, a weird small town and an outsider who comes in and, and the outsider is incredibly respectful to everybody, even the people who don't deserve it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like he's the most open-minded person and just the best character. Uh, Yeah. It's great. It's really, really great. Mm. Um. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I read an article today by one of my like favorite TV reviewers, and uh, in it she talked a lot about how in Twin Peaks the battle between good and evil is where evil is pointless, dis- pointless destruction, and good is simple, gentle kindness. And I mm. kind of glommed onto that idea of that is what this show is really about: is that the simple kindness is something that is worthwhile even when the underbelly of the town is so (laughs) (laughs) there's so much good cat in this episode but even when the underbelly of the town is so rotten the simple kindness makes the town worthwhile anyway um i yes so so it is yes so the the town does have a deep and abiding ancient evil that is running things um it's more than just a little rotten it's like oh yeah we have a club because um we have to keep out the evil that lives here yeah, I mean, there's there's two lodges out there. Duh. Doesn't every town have two lodges? A dark lodge and a white lodge? I guess you haven't really gotten to that. But there's that's two where, lodges? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about anymore. 
Oh, yeah, it's later in season two. The lore okay. goes deep on Twin Peaks. But I love that the lore is it also, it's like, it's insane and also like a Lynchian thing, not really supposed to make a complete sense and be open to interpretation and just have some of this very weird imagery. And also a lot of the best stuff comes from mistakes that happen through filming and working on this show and just allowing opportunities to come like, um, like for example, for example, so I mean like the best, one of the most famous ones is the yeah. Story you haven't told me the story. I'm waiting for the story. Yeah. What's going on with Bob? Who is Bob? So, Why is he there? So Bob uh, is uh, the the main antagonist of this series, right? Um, played by what was Bob's name? Yeah, I can't believe I'm forgetting that. I know, but anyway, he anyway. wasn't an actor before this. He was well, a. All he, is, he mostly just works in a mirror. Well, yeah, I mean, he does show up a little bit more, but yeah, he's mostly just scary, crouching behind things. Yeah. Um, but he uh, was a set decorator and a lot of twin uh, David Lynch work before this. They had worked together a few times, and he was working Frank on this Silva. movie. Frank Silva, yes. Uh, and one day, you know, David Lynch just kind of liked the look of him and was like, hey, um, you ever act before? And he was like, yeah, I've acted before. He's like, cool, I'm going to have you in this for a second. Just crouch down here. Uh, underneath this bed, I just want you like in the background of the shot, right? Uh, so he just thought it would be like a fun idea of like in the first episode, they walk into Laura's room and it's empty and he's just sitting in the corner. So it was just I don't know, maybe I'll do something with this. He had really no idea what to do with it. And then like later that day or the next day, they were filming a scene in which uh Sarah Palmer's in her living room and Frank can be seen reflected in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And someone, the DP caught it and was like, oh, that take was ruined. Frank was in the mirror. And David Lynch was like, no, that's just like two coincidences of him getting in this. He's uh-huh. the villain now. And just like, oh, shit. that into it. So he just went into his set designer. I was like, hey, um, because you were also in that second shot on accident, I'm just going to run with it. You're the bad guy of my series now. That's amazing. Good job, yeah, dude. So- he got way to, play, like, way to have a certainly certain evil look that everyone yeah. wanted. Just worked his way into uh, one of the most iconic television villain roles of the 20th century, you know? Yeah. And I do that's think he does a lot of very um, good work, especially in the, yeah. the... Go. That was weird. Oh, I thought you were talking. Sorry. Um, I think that he does a lot of really good work in like episode the episode seven, eight, and nine of season two, where they're like really showing him a lot, and he's doing a lot of stuff with his face, and is for some reason always sweaty. Uh, <laughs> and then he tragically passed away just a few years after this, so he doesn't get to come Aww. back in the retone. They do kind of like use some images and old film stock of him for like. 10 seconds in the return, but he sure. is definitely missing in that. I think, um, um, well, that's weird because he's like a demon. So it's like, I, he could just, could he look like anything, but he's the look of the demon inside the guy. Yeah. Mm. Well, he's also, so like Bob, there's, there's another part to it as well, where the first time I actually ever watched twin peaks, I've seen it a few times now was the first thing I ever saw was not the pilot but it was the international cut of Twin Peaks, which is a really weird uh, thing that exists. Yeah, what so, does that mean? 
So, like Mahal, the way Mahalan Drive was a pilot he shot that didn't get picked up, right? And he said, okay, I'm going to take this pilot and I'm going to shoot like another half hour and make it a movie and then release that. And it became, you know. Did, did it like wrap up like a movie, have it like an ending? Yeah, Mahalan Drive. Yes. So, that's like the way oh. Mahalan Drive was. Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He Sorry, did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, he did the same thing uh, with the first episode of Twin Peaks, where in case it didn't get picked up, I'm going to shoot an extra half hour and cut pit, cut it together and then release that. And then because Crazy. the show didn't get picked up in Europe, that's what got released in Europe. So it is the first two episodes, or maybe three. Like it is the first episode, and then the scene at the red room from the third episode was shot in there. And then yeah, they shot a whole ending where. They track the one hour man to the hospital and he tells him the killer is in the basement. And so there's a scene in season, an episode like three when Cooper's having a dream and it's like Bob in the basement surrounded by candles and he's monologuing about killing and Mike is monologuing upstairs. That's all repurposed film footage from the film version that he used in episode three. Um, but yeah, so Bob isn't an evil spirit in that. He's just a serial killer. Uh, and Agent Cooper huh. shoots him to death. Oh. And the movie ends. Huh. Uh, so that oh, was that's the weird. first thing I ever saw. And I was like, that's a weird like movie thing. Uh, and then I learned later that, you know, no, that was the, you know, a cut together re like use of footage from the pilot. And then Fascinating. you got to watch it the proper way. And it's always been very weird. To have that as my first introduction to this. Hey, it's super weird. I like Bob a lot. I like this guy who plays Bob Frank Silva. I like him yeah. in this role. And I, I also just love anytime someone got into Hollywood by just being wild looking. Yeah. Just, you know, just standing around looking wild. And then someone is like, oh, we need that face in this thing we're doing. Yeah. That's I mean, great. we often talk about the types of stories that kind of ruin a lot of other people. And that's kind of, it's probably, this is probably one of those, right? Like how many, like, grips and gaffers have tried to get in the background of shot and be like huh you want to make me the villain i mean, I mean i'm sure that's an accident you know i'm sure that's somewhat true but like his main skill was looking like a sociopath like he looked mm. like he could be a demon rapist like <laughs> that was what he had so you can't just hang out and look in shots if you're like average looking you have to look real messed up yeah i mean it is fun to talk about in lynch's work especially in twin peaks um the way people look and how specific that is for a lot of things. Like we were sort of talking around this the other day when we hung out, but like how many people in this show look like David Lynch, like Kyle McLaughlin's whole hairdo and kind of posture is based off him. There's a small child who's a magician who looks who doesn't exactly exist. like it. Who, yeah, well, he's a he's a resident of the lodge. You, you'll get that later. Oh, of um, course. Okay, sure. But uh, that's why you have the cream corn. Duh. Um, <laughs> I love talking about Twin Peaks. And, and I'm just duh. It's like a my cone. head at him. I'm sitting here just shaking. Yeah, my head. I, yeah. No, it's great. It's, it's very funny. I'm it's like a about. whole language. There's so much fun, weird stuff that you can get. But And then there's also like David Lynch himself playing the director of the FBI. Right. Yes, you told me that the other day, which it was great. It would have been great for you to reveal to me on 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 the recording. But he plays the director. The director of the show plays the director of the FBI. Very cute. Good work, David. 
when we were talking about this the other day and you were like, I don't know what David Lynch looks like. That was so wildly foreign to me. <laughs> because I just like, saw him on a Wikipedia page a second ago and I was like, oh, the director. But they're like uh, the, the director of the FBI. And they're like, here is David Lynch receiving his Emmy for run- the show. Uh, that makes sense. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we like watch his YouTube channel, which is like he has a number of the day, which he just pulls a number out of a bottle and tells you it's the number of the day. Yeah, Alex. he also does like two minute weather things. Yeah, he does a oh, daily. Yeah, he told me about a weather thing. Yeah, David is it in his it. car? No, it's in his like workroom hmm. or wherever he happens to be. But every day, David Lynch does a weather of the day report where he talks okay. about the weather currently outside where he is. Uh huh. Um, and frequently he like pauses to like lean towards a window and look at the sky to double check uh, that he's telling you right. <laughs> uh, and he also does a daily number where he has a bucket filled with a bunch of numbers and he just pulls a number out and sort of you know goes the number of the day the number of the day is twelve. Um, <laughs> and that's All right, it. you got me. Oh. I have subscribed to David Lynch's YouTube channel. So I can hear the weather and the number. Yeah. And They're all short, and his weather will be your weather because he's in LA. So. That's true. And We're probably very close. He also posts, you know, some experimental short films he's made over the years on there, and other weird things. Recently, he has been, um, you know, I'm I'm so excited to talk about Lynch, and I'm definitely excited to sort of be a fan of his living through. You know, even though a lot of other stuff sucks, I thought. Uh, David Lynch was done as a filmmaker just a few years ago, right? He just hadn't made anything in a long time. The market has kind of moved past him. He didn't really seem interested. And I really thought, like, maybe I'll get one more David Lynch movie in my lifetime. And then we have gotten to season three of Twin Peaks, which is uh, my, as you know, Alex, my Three years in a row, best movie of the year uh, yes, winner. Yes, uh, every still, year. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one giant 18-hour movie. So yeah. it's way more than I thought. And now he's working on the secretive Netflix thing, which is going to oh. be 25 hours of television, apparently. Um, huh. And he's like teasing that a lot on his YouTube channel. But just dude, to... this weather and number thing solidifies for me that he's a weirdo, and I like. Yeah, was that ever in doubt? Well, he's no. So here's what weird... I love about it: is he's not just like interested in weirdos and like playing it up. But if you were to talk to him, he's kind of an accountant. Like he might be. <laughs> no, he's so goddamn weird. weird. Yeah, I mean, he's. You should watch. There's like interviews with him and stuff. He just. He is really weird, and he is the embodiment of one of my favorite things about uh, movies and TV as art, because I don't think it necessarily is art all the time, but that it is like a picture. The things he makes are a picture of his weird brain. He just like pours himself onto the screen for you to see. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That's what I want from filmmakers in general. I want them to make the them their true weirdness i want to see it and he works in so many different mediums i mean his paintings and drawings are really haunting and stunning and he like uses a lot of imagery from those things it is like david lynch is one of those like few filmmakers where the great thing is the more you watch of him the better you understand him you know because so much of himself is in his work right i think that if that Having even seen Straight Story and Dune, two of his sort of less Lynchian movies, but I think yeah. seeing those and Mahal and Drives helps you understand 
his Twin Peaks stuff. Well, I think more, seeing right? Mahan drive and then seeing this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the other two, I you could tell me were somebody else. Anyway, I don't I don't know how those affect it, but just this after watching uh, uh, Mahan drive makes a ton of sense to me. But here's my question: Who is Mark Frost then? So. I was looking at Mark yes. Frost and prior to this, he worked on like Hill street blues, which I think is really yeah. fascinating. He was That's like a cop a, show. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He was yeah. kind of like a journeyman TV director. Uh, Interesting. I do feel bad uh, kind of under not really giving Mark Frost his dues on this. Mark Frost is, you know, the other half of twin peaks. Right. He has uh, written, wrote, you know, even more episodes than David Lynch did. He is, you know, the, the way it's always kind of broken down, as I understand it, is that like Mark Frost is the kind of conspiracy and mythology guy, and David Lynch just comes and pits, you know, his weird spin and vision on stuff. This uh, is such a great partnership, and one that I this is the so what you were saying about what you want in movies is like your weirdness on the screen. What I want from art is I want to see this. I want to see where your brain collides with someone else's brain and what it creates that is b- bigger than what either of you could create. And this mm-hmm. is where I like, this is an example of that working together. Really? Like I love a partnership where you're doing more things than you could have done alone. You're doing things. Neither of you could have done yeah. by yourselves. And, and I this think seems, you, great you get that, that with not with like Mark and Frost on like Lynch and Frost on this, but also like Kyle McLaughlin and David Lynch have worked together a lot and apparently are both, very odd specific like two peas in a pod so yeah. like a lot of the stuff was like things he wanted to do as coop and like lynch being willing to work with it and also you know like a, going back into the working with things you know like there's a very iconic shot in episode one where they're doing like a preliminary look at laura's body and the light in the room is flickering on and off and that was like an accident yeah. that happened that someone went to try and fix and Lynch was like, no, no, just leave it. I like it. And, you know, creates this scene that was like, people talk about that shot all the time, you know, and how unique it is. And he just lets a lot of stuff like that happen. And Man, I just, I could, I mean, this, I wish Hunter was here to talk about this because this seems like something that he really gets off on too. And I, yeah. I, the thing is, it feels like it works a lot of the time here. And I feel like you would watch so many, you could watch so many movies where you're like, wow, they just like didn't fix the broken light and it's annoying. Yeah. Uh, so, I, like I don't want this feels like like you're just saying about ruining people who like become grips so they can try to get discovered because they have a messed up face. This feels like it's ruining filmmakers by letting them be like, whatever happens, happens, man. I'm not even in charge. Like you got to also sometimes be in charge. You're the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think part of the reason it works is because of the way that Lynch and probably Mark Frost. I don't feel like I know as much about him that this show embraces that the world is surreal and strange. And so then to let the surreality, that's probably not a word of the actual movie set leak into the show just kind of adds another layer. And it's, there's very ironic saying that uh, you really can't like he directed the shit out of this show. You know, there's definitely (laughs) Lynch all over it. There's a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, I'm just saying other people might just let the lights flicker and I would hate it. Oh yeah, I mean he is certainly one of those directors who he is he's so iconic and has a style and people you know Lynchian is a thing people say and like know what it means. But he is definitely also a director that I think oh. is really good seeing his films is that Shit. when you see people ripping it off it's more like oh that's that's obvious. Like oh yeah. like I get 
this is the bad version of the you know what Lynch actually does. Alex, did you not realize that Lynchian meant like? No, no, no. Sorry, I just realized something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had Wikipedia open. I just realized that we've watched um, another Lynch movie for the podcast. We watched Boxing Helena. I don't even know that movie. Boxing or Boxing Helena. It's directed by his daughter Jennifer Lynch, and it's Mm. one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And it's so it's so fucked up. It's so awful and also fascinating. Um, but it's like an amputation doctor who like has a woman come over on a date and then he like cuts off both her arms and legs so she has to rely on him all the time. I've heard and of just this keeps movie, her in actually. a box. It's insane. It's insane. And that's his daughter's movie. That makes so much if you grew up with David Lynch around, it's actually like kind mm-hmm. of embarrassingly tame of a movie. Well, and not just David Lynch, but David Lynch's collection of weirdos, right? Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like so what, what many, kind of friends he has over. Like, and think about how, like, if Laura Dern was basically your aunt, right? And Kyle, <laughs> was, like, Kyle McLaughlin was always hanging out at your house, and Angelo Badlandetti yeah. would come over and be like, I wrote this weird thing on the piano. You want to hear it? <laughs> like... Have you heard him speak, or are you just making assumptions about how I'm he sounds? I'm just making assumptions about how he sounds. <laughs> That's a good guess. Um, okay, we got to wrap up on this. So, um, l- l- uh, this is a show that you both cherish. Um, what are your favorite things that we have not mentioned yet? You have to get your your last chance. Um, I'll go with you know I I definitely think it is the show that you know a lot of what I first saw it, it it feels like oh this is just like what TV was like in 1990 when you think about like, the <laughs> weirdness right well like it just feels like something that's kind of old and a little anachronistic but it definitely like once it kind of warms up to you and the more context you're willing to kind of go and dig and like read about it um. It, it is something that I, it's a work that every time I watch it, I, I get something new out of it. Yeah. Um, and also I want you like say like Alex, you have barely scratched the surface on what Twin Peaks actually is. The amount of one, there's literally more Twin Peaks ahead of you than there well, is yeah. behind yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't finish between. it, so sure. But I mean, like, you know, it, for a long time, it was just the rest of season two. And the movie, but now there's that and 18 hours of, te- of perfect, weird, pure David Lynch, you know? Yeah. Um, so there is so much and so much crazy stuff that happens. And it's so uh, really amped up. And you know, the latest season, especially the return and the movie, like that's all directed by Lynch and written exclusively by Mark Frost and him. And it has such a clear, pure, I mean, this right here. What you watched is like the cut stepped on if David Lynch was heroin, right? The return <laughs> is the straight 100% pure shit. I'm interested. Uh, and it's it's just phenomenal. Well, I started watching this not for the podcast. This was just for, for a thing that I was interested in, and I will probably continue it for the same reason. Um, mm. Although I'm going to take a bit of a break because I've wanted to watch other stuff, and you keep kept telling me I had to watch more episodes. You kept being like, Oh no no! You have to watch the first three of episode two. Well, season two. Well, you, you got to get to six. Oh, I was wrong. It was eight. But actually, you need to watch nine to understand it. It, I, <laughs> it feels like it's been a. You've been trapping me. You've been like frog in boiling water. Me with David Lynch. Yeah, I genuinely apologize for that. I, the thing is, like you, I originally was like, okay, what episode do you just find out what the killer is, and that's yes. like six. 
And then it was like, oh, wait, that doesn't get resolved till eight. And it was like, wait, actually, it doesn't get resolved till nine. It I'm was, really glad we watched uh, nine because it's like yeah. it's like sometimes after a meal, you get like a palate cleanser. But in this case, the palate cleanser sucks. It's just like um, it's a palate ruiner is what this yeah. episode nine was. So that was nice to have to get the taste completely out of my I was like, well, I can't taste my delicious dinner anymore because all I have is black licorice that's been shoved down my throat. I hate uh, black lectures. Uh, it's not mm. uniform. Yeah, it's Anything not good. Other, it's other final things. Um, I kind of said this in the middle, but I really, really love that the dead girl, which is like such a, I such a thing in TV, is a real person in this show and is in, approached with so much yeah. love and like, it's even though all point, of these I, horrible things happened to her, she still mm. kind of stayed herself and was beloved by all everyone around her and is like a person. Um, and then also, I, I hadn't realized as, that, but that's such a good point. Yeah. And I, it is something that like changes the tone of the show. And I think it's very smart mm-hmm. and good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agree. Yeah. One of the things I read today also is somebody was talking about Lynchian themes. And my favorite one is what happens when women try to define themselves in a world that would rather define them. And I think that's true. Mm. Uh, and that's the yeah. struggle of Laura Palmer. Yeah. Interesting. And um, then one thing about episode nine, which is much yes. maligned on this podcast. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that Ray Weiss is incredible yeah. in episode nine and in all the previous in the scene where he's like dancing with um, Laura Flynn Boyle. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name right now is creepy and extremely strange. And then also that at the end, he is kind of shown as separate from Bob. So that even if you're looking at this, like, as a metaphor that he isn't a pure monster that he is like mm. a person and he can f- experience regret mm. and deserves empathy. I definitely yeah, I mean, this... thought his performance in this, in episode nine was mm. also bad. So now we just have oh, two interesting well, uh, points of view. You can take, I, mean, I think take Ray Weiss throughout the show. Uh, I can see why I personally think he gives one of the greatest performances ever aired on television. He It's just, Throughout the entire series, he's great. But I do think also kind of the what Heather's kind of talking about, viewing the show strictly as a metaphor, yeah, sort of, and as a sort of interpretation of what it feels like, the emotional reality of stuff, you know, and of this story and what actually happens in it, you know. Not to get really heavy, but if you ever get a chance to sort of read, um, like, incest survivors talk about this show and the way... Lynch captures the way disassociation works in families and the way these things are like the way the cyclical violence and the way these change and the way, you know, it is very much like, you know, your dad and Bob. And that's like something that like really splits entire families when they genuinely think of them as different people. And it's such a really interesting thing to have this thing that a lot of people have no way to articulate and never see shows really respectfully address these things and to have this show come along and like really nail down that feeling in a way that it's very hard for her to convey. And that is something this show does is it conveys it through weird imagery and dreams and magic. But this, the way this effect can happen to people, it's, I can't that's very speak that is very show. heavy, but and also a very good point. And I don't want to end on that, so I <laughs> we're going to give it the appropriate weight, and then I'm going to say two stupid things, and we're going to go. One is that the um, 
uh, waitress uh, is played by Magic Amick. Mm-hmm. Um, Shelly. Uh, Shelly is uh, one of the most famous actors to ever come out of Sparks, Nevada, which is where I grew mm. up. Oh. Which is a suburb of Reno. It's technically like the other half of Reno, Nevada. Um, she was like us. She was a Sparks lady who made good in the world, and mm. that's very, very cool. And then the other that thing is, is, she is distractingly beautiful. Yeah, in this I mean, show. if you want to end on a dumb note, let's talk about how beautiful the women in Twin Peaks are. No, that's, that's another dumb. thing. I don't that formative uh, seeing this at a pretty young age as a teenager, I was in love with every woman in this show they're all so stunning i understand that um i i gotta say i am i am not that kind of a person my heart belongs to log woman and nothing else Mm -hmm. log lady won me over i couldn't look at anyone else the rest of the show watch any of her um previously on things that i sent you no, not yet. I will. One other stupid thing I want to say, though. Um, my favorite thing about episode nine, I hated almost everything, but I loved when he was, when uh, Ray Weiss was I- inhabited by a demon and he's being interrogated. They're like, did you murder her? And he goes, woo, 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 woo. That means yes. <laughs> that line, that got me. That's, that's how demons talk. Um, yeah. All right. We're going to wrap up this segment. We have two more quick things I want to do before we get out of here. Stick around for that. All right, really quick, I want to have a brief discussion for segment three. The argument today, I would like to. Um, I, we're not gonna. I don't want to have a winner. I just want to discuss many options because if there's a winner, you have to decide. We have to settle on three. What each one getting one pick. But the argument that I want to have today is: what is the best filmed non-David Lynch dream sequence? What is your Ooh. favorite dream sequence in movie or television? And I I'm gonna say like- not Lynch because there's so many. Yeah, go. A pretty quick one that jumps out. Uh, yeah. There's an entire episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that's a dream. And oh. because that show was so super formative for me as a teenager, it has long stuck with me as my favorite. I never thought of an entire thing being a dream because then you now you could add Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with, you know, something equally as formative for me and say the... Uh, the dream sequence from Harold and Kumo go to White Castle when he fucks <laughs> the human-sized bag of weed. <laughs> That's famous. I mean, talk about the height of cinema. Yeah, yeah. Right there. Um, yeah, so this led you, you to trying to have sex with many different bags of weed yeah. over the years, but never people finding a People dragging that movie over the weekend and people coming to defend it online. Uh, no, this was a thing was, that happened just now? Yeah. Uh, just a few days ago, I was watching it online. People were all... I uh, well, I, n- I never saw it, so I can't contribute. I'm sorry, I couldn't riff on your Buffy either because I never watched I Buffy. But the my nominee is going to be, um, I guess, any one of the Big Lebowski dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, most mostly for the musical element. I think the fact that they are all musicals really adds a lot to those dream sequences. And I also I felt like. I guess maybe these are like the, the Lynchian dreams are also feel kind of like my dreams, but I did feel like aside from the perfect score, the big Lebowski dreams did feel kind of like the way my dreams feel. Mm. It was too good, but it was like, Oh, that is the way where I'm like, I've been thinking about bowling. So now I am the bowling ball. And yeah, then you spend a lot of time looking at girl scouts in your dreams, you know, well, it's, or like the, like this bad guy, I, I met this thing and I was afraid of a thing he said. And so now I'm dreaming about that too. I, I think it's a good, it's a clever little way of doing yeah. dreams, but then with these great, really catchy songs. Yeah. Um, what else are we missing? 
Trying Those to are good I, mean, I guess we, I, I said we had to have more than one. I guess we don't have to. We could I mean, just going um, into movie. If we can talk about the whole movie's a dream, like something like Jacob's Ladder, like a good horror I haven't movie. Seen that either. Yeah, dream. I haven't seen Jacob's Ladder either. I very much want to watch it. I've heard it's. I great. think I've I've seen the um the one where you do it with string, but I haven't seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Isn't, there isn't, a, isn't a, Jacob's Ladder one of the things you can do with string? Yes, I believe so. That thing that everyone did in like for like two weeks in fourth grade, where you put a mm. round piece of string and then you learn a couple patterns in it. Did that happen yeah. at your school too? Yes, I had a book of it. Nice. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course, you were good at it. <laughs> Isn't Wait. there a dream sequence in Total Recall where like Arnold's eyes pop out of his head? Oh, the opening of the movie. Yes, the very first scene of that movie. Um, I haven't seen um. that either. These are all great suggestions that I haven't seen. Um, what happens in it? He's out. He's in. He's on Mars, and for yeah. some reason, like he has no helmet. I don't remember why. But then mm. he, there's like a really crazy, yeah, an incredible, incredible practical effect with dummies. Uh, in Total Recall, you've never seen Total Recall? No. I mean, okay, we we've done a good amount of Lynch on this show, I guess. We need to get more Werner Herzog. Uh, oh Werner yeah, Herzog. yeah, yeah. Paul, uh, Paul Verhoeven. Verhoeven. We need to get oh. more Paul Verhoeven. No, I don't on, know who that is anymore. I was into the more Herzog, but no, Paul this Verhoeven, I don't know about. Uh, director of Total Recall, RoboCop, Starship Troopers. I saw Starship uh, Troopers. I've seen Starship Troopers. Show Girls. Um, um, some of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, one Total Recall is the... really wild. My yeah. main, I watched it with my dad when I was way too young, and my main memory is Arnold's eyeballs popping out of his head, yeah. and that lady with three boobs. Yeah, Basic Instinct, Show Girls. I already said that one. I, <laughs> he, I mean, there is no one else like him. He is. And I think especially uh, we, because we constantly have a debate about satire and sort of doing it and the dangers of it, uh, he is like the greatest satirical filmmaker of all time. And I would love to sort of talk about like Starship Troopers and Robocop. And I would definitely love to do Starship Troopers. Cause I watched that a bunch as a kid and I haven't seen it in forever. So that is I definitely mean, on there. And I've always wanted to watch Robocop, but I haven't. So I think these are great ideas. Robocop. Jesus Christ, Alex. Well, you, you know what else? I, I would love seen Robocop until I was married to this guy. One so of the few, and I mean this completely sincerely, few perfect works about ever made. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is uh, over. No, I think rewatch it again. Genuinely point out a single flaw with that. It's a perfect. Piece well, I don't of- like movies about cops. Well, it's, it's, it, it's I got anti-cop. something for you. It's not a movie about <laughs> cops. About good cops. It's a movie right. that's very, right. very anti-cop. Well, you know what? So looking through some old episodes while you're talking about this and like thinking back to Boxing Helena, it really, I remember, I, I kind of missed the days where we watched some wild, rowdy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, we've watched so many good things, but have we watched any more like, what are we doing? That kind of thing. So we should do yeah, a few of those. Total Re- Recall. Yeah. That movie is weird. Yeah, I All mean, I, would, seem fun. I, I think if we're going to, we, Total Recall's going to be on there. I think if we're going to do any of them, it's got to be RoboCop because it's just, I can't believe you haven't seen RoboCop. Um, really quick before we end this segment, um, I haven't done this in a long time, but remember, Anthony, uh, last year or a year, uh, year and a half ago, you guys, I mentioned that I had a nightmare journal and you guys asked about it. And so I read some nightmares. Mm-hmm. I haven't read you any nightmares in a while. So let me give you a quick thing of oh, nightmares cool. that have happened in the last couple of months. Um, I was mauled by a tiger on a subway and I was blinded. And so I was not able to see the art at the museum I was going to. Really bummed about that. <laughs> um, this one I just wrote, failed threesome church too busy. Not sure what that means. Um, 
one okay this one i was on vacation with megan but she just wanted to go to trader joe's didn't want to see anything pretty just always wanted to go to trader joe's um Is that was one of those dreams you woke up angry at her for you, like you were angry at her for the rest of the day uh, of that dream you didn't know why i yeah i've never really taken stuff out on her i don't feel like that's a, it's really up to her um because i also don't want i don't i'm also not like when i wake up from a threesome dream i'm not like wow i did it you know like so it wouldn't be make sense to be mad you didn't um, just look at her and go nice that was great <laughs> wasn't it was that as good for you as it was for me like, i yeah I do, I do ask for a high five for sure nice um pizza truck crashes i don't get there in time that's what i wrote i was very upset that i didn't get to the pizza truck in time to get the free pizza i don't know what that would have been um yeah i mean if you if a pizza truck you know it's like if a power goes out at an ice cream shop and they have to give away all the ice cream exactly really quick people can't get out you got to give out all that pizza you can't just (laughs) um uh, oh, this is another one I could have been mad at Megan. She started eating the wedding cake at a wedding we were guests at before they finished getting married, and that's <gasps> going to be very bad luck for that wedding. Mm-hmm. That sounds that's... like so much social anxiety in a dream. This is the that all of so my stressful. dreams are social and work anxiety. That's all they are. They're like uh, like I, like the ones I don't write down are just like I had a show and I couldn't find out find the front door, so I didn't get in there in time, or like I forgot how to tell jokes. It's almost all work anxiety or a social event, and I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I do love the idea of looking over and be like, is is Megan eating a slice of that cake? (laughs) (laughs) She really wanted it. All right. And then lastly, before we go, the last thing I want to do, I need to read. This is Anthony going to be more interesting to you than it is to Heather because she was not here for the first half of this discussion. But we have an email from Flash, our Patreon. So you may recall, Anthony, a couple weeks ago, um, we did a... uh, we did a thank you segment to Flash for becoming a Patreon. um, And it kind of it was supposed to be about movies about wonders of the world but then it devolved to ezra reading the scottish pizza hut menu mm-hmm. and all things considered one of our better thank you segments yeah so sure. we got Definitely this top. we got this I mean, message from Flash. sending us a thank you for that point well you know indeed I mean? he did he sent us a thank oh. you he said uh crikey i loved hearing you guys riff on my question on the podcast so much that i'm going to bump up my meat status a notch Mm, nice. So he increased his Patreon because of how good our thank you segment was. That, but he continued on because there were some questions that nice. we had left unanswered. First, squash. Okay. Because we're talking about squash. It was a beverage. It was like unlimited squash, I think. Okay. So picture the stuff inside a can of frozen orange juice, but kept at room temperature and then watered down 12 times. You can tell why they give it away for free. Um, second, we asked about what was the bluffet. So Pizza Huts have all the items of a salad bar, but due to COVID, they can't let you just be at a salad bar, so they bring them to the table as much as you ask for. That buffet is called a bluffet. It's not really a buffet. It's like a live buffet. <laughs> That's very clever. Um, yeah. And then a, a pro tip about pizza. If you decide to join me across the pond, pizza places here all treat tomato sauce like it's a very rare commodity. So if you want a normal amount of sauce, you have to use up one of your topping options by saying I would like extra sauce. Um, they also don't know what ranch dressing is, so they offer you creamy garlic sauce to dip your pizza in, and it's just not the same. And then lastly, Iron Brew, spelled I-R-N-B-R-U, is only available at Scottish Pizza Huts. It's a citrus-flavored soda, like Orange Crush, and is so popular it competes directly with Coke and Pepsi. Can you guys imagine that? Um, it's so hard for me to tell. And in fact, we mentioned Iron iron brew and so katie on twitter also said if i ever get disposable income i'm going to send you all a crate of oh it's not pronounced iron brew according to katie it's pronounced urn boo um 
Yeah, made from sugar, radioactive material, and real iron girders. I do think um, I love that sentiment. Don't we live in three different states? Sending us all <laughs> something would be a real pain in the ass. I, that's you why we haven't done do a, a candy eating episode in a while. Um, yeah, but uh, I do like the idea of us doing an entire episode dedicated to Scottish orange soda made with I real iron it. girders. Um, I, I do. Yeah, we can... once I go through an orange soda, I get like think I need an orange soda. <laughs> I get it. You're just watching. Uh, you're just watching some old Keenan and Cal, and you're like, I gotta get some orange soda. Yeah, and you know what? I'm a goddamn adult now, so I can. Anytime you Take want, that. it's just available. Yeah. Um, Iron Brew is also available in Iron Brew Sugar Free, Iron Brew Extra, just spelled X T R A, Iron Brew Energy, Iron Brew Crimbo Juice, and of course Iron Brew 1901. Ugh, I don't know what that what one is. What was the one you said before 1901? Crimbo juice. Great question. Here we are just reading menus again. <laughs> Iron Brew Crimbo Juice, 500 ml, case of 12, uh, available on Amazon.co.uk. I mean, I think we should talk about why do you think the pizza sauce is so thin? You think it's like tariffs or something like that? There's some reason why? <laughs> yeah, it's because of Brexit, uh, for sure. Yeah, is that is that why they just like they can't afford as much pizza sauce? Why, why are they uh, so stingy? Iron Brew Crimbo Juice is a spiced ginger festive flavor for the holidays. That sounds so good. It's Iron Brew with hints of ginger, (laughs) clove, and cinnamon. No, uh, orange soda with ginger, clove, and cinnamon? Did they say it was orange or citrus? It is orange, uh, like Orange Crush is uh, how Flash described it. Alex, you keep talking shit. You're going to start a national incident, apparently. So be careful (laughs) with what you say. We don't want... I got, I got juice apparently right is ginger clove and cinnamon and is a holiday thing this is a lot um i wonder if we could get iron brew in the states where can i get iron brew in the united states uh we'll work on this problem if available oh 1901 was the year it was invented of course um so according to their website iron brew is a mixed fruit flavor soda with the phenomenal blend of 32 different flavorings so it's like a dr pepper but orange I like uh, the idea that drinks were invented. Because I guess they were, but it's just a funny way to describe it to me. I don't know how else to yeah, describe what, it. What else? You think they just yeah. were birthed? What do you mean? No, I mean, that that almost sounds better. I don't know. Something about, like, I invented this soda flavor. Uh, it's it's a fun, you know. So, this, okay, so if I wanted to order this from Amazon Jeez. right now, I, it's more expensive than I thought. They are $5 a bottle. Jeez. On Amazon, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. So it's 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 thirty dollars for thirty dollars for a pack of six, or it's twenty seven dollars for a pack of twelve. That's weird. Yeah, it really is. It really is very weird. Um, I don't think that makes a ton of sense. The problem is, if I order twelve of these, my wife is going to be furious. I don't. This thing is caffeinated. It's caffeinated orange soda. Yeah, I looked up the ingredients and it says caffeine. <laughs> wow, that's one of the 32 perfect flavors is caffeine. Yeah, and I think Megan will be mad at you until she tried one and then it's like, this is the best thing I've ever had. It's and then you oh, have that the, the secret recipe is only known by three people. Yeah, and then you, you get your wife hooked on only drinking this one drink you have to import from Scotland. Uh, that sounds like a bummer. Okay, so there's an ad. So just looking on Amazon. Okay, so I'm on Amazon's Iron Brew page from the manufacturer section. It's not just a soft drink. Um, 
or the not so soft soft drink, sorry. And then it tells the history of it. And the next thing is ads. And then there's a picture of a chicken and it says, there's nothing better than iron brew when you've just been laid. Straight to the point. I like it. That is an actual advertisement from the company. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and in the like little intro paragraph, it includes this sentence, innovative and sometimes controversial marketing campaign. I see it. Top selling soft drink in Scotland. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if I ever get laid, I might have to try it. (laughs) 32 flavoring agents, including caffeine and quinine. Uh, you know how, like, when you were a teenager, you would carry a, wall, uh, like a condom around in your wallet that you never used? Yeah, of course. Uh, instead, you just carry one of these sodas around just with you everywhere you go. folded up iron proof yeah. in my back pocket. Just like, oh, one of these days. You have, like, a ring in your wallet that looks in the shape of the bottle. This is really fascinating and also upsetting, this whole iron brew um, deal. Um, reading they about barely... This got in trouble for one of their ads like bullying goth people <laughs> oh yeah cheer up goths have an iron brew that was also on the amazon page <laughs> the other one says there's two there's a young woman and uh, a older woman it says iron brew keeps me young and beautiful unlike my daughter and then the daughter is i guess homely in this picture um well that is interesting and aggressive also this reminds me of my favorite really quick story that i'm gonna tell you um from back when my dad used to uh before my dad retired um he was working at a place where there were a lot of adults pretty smart adults mostly and uh they somebody brought donuts and put them in the break room and then emailed the entire office to let them know that there was uh, donuts and they um just went google image searched Krispy Kreme and then took the logo to put in the email and didn't notice that the first Krispy Kreme logo result was actually a a, a meme that it said uh, the the logo of Krispy Kreme that under it, it said "So good you'll suck a dick." <laughs> and so the boss of the office emailed everyone in the office, "Hey, there's donuts in the break room. They're so good you'll suck a dick." <laughs> and that sounds like it turns out actually like this is like what Iron Brew would actually use on their advertisements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Thank you, Flash. And thank you to everybody who donates to the show. And this is proof that just because we are terrible at thank you segments doesn't mean they aren't working for us. Yeah, we are like we David Lynch. You, We're just like going with whatever's happening. We don't give you the segment you want. We give you the segment you need. You know, <laughs> This is the segment we all needed is yeah. learning about caffeinated orange soda from Scotland. Um, all right. That's going to be it for today. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out. I am going to dig up some Iron Brew. I'm going to find it. I'm not going to spend $30, but I'm going to find a cheaper way to get Iron Brew in the mail, and then I'm going to do it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to pay $5 a can for soda, certainly, but maybe $3 a can? We'll see. Anyway, I'll keep working on it. Um, And yeah, if you have disposable income and you want us to try your terrible local soda, we're open for it. But it's like, let's say, you know... uh some falls off a truck around you. you yeah, know? maybe there's maybe. an iron brew truck and they have to give it a crash and I have to get there in time. Maybe you have a hookup, you know? Uh, that's a good idea. That's a very, very good point. Um, drop some iron brew off a thing. Um, oh, apparently there was some issues. There is some issues with the with tariffs from the Trump administration that made it harder to get it in America. Anyway, um, 
All right. Uh, wow. Anyway, I'm going to stop looking at pictures of Iron Brew. Um, if you guys at home would like to tell us about any of these amazing local products or you have any questions or comments on anything we've said today and or you want to nominate a best dream sequence in film, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. We're also around on email podcast at readdustreef.com. I'm also still taking the movie theater experiences that are exciting and fun. Um, all right. Thank you so much for hanging out, Anthony. It's always great chatting with you. Oh, always fun. Alex, we should change a motto to uh, why look up random shit on the internet on your own when we can just read stuff to you. It's funny when other podcasts are <laughs> clearly just Googling stuff. I don't enjoy it, but I like it when we do it. Yeah, it is fun. Uh, it's it is, I it's love an Ezra specialty. Is Ezra will be like, you guys finish this conversation. I'll let you know when I found something weird on Bing. <laughs> um, that's, this is all his credit for looking up all this about the like that we were talking about this and he was like I wonder what the Scottish Pizza Hut menu is um, we'll be back next week with another adequate episode of Read It and Weep oh I was saying goodbye thank you Heather thanks for doing it it was really yeah, great to have you join us today uh, we'll, we'll do it again anytime you guys are watching something and you're like I can't let them talk about this without me we would love to have you back I would love to come back and I'm going to finish Twin Peaks and we can talk about it at least in person yes um, Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk next week. Bye. Bye.